Welcome to this edition of Nurturing Wellbeing. I'm Kirk Kelly, and I'm excited to be able to have one of my good friends, I've known a long time, Senator Jason Broder. Senator Broder is a, a, an advocate for children. Uh, he has proved it throughout his life and his professional life, and we're very pleased to be able to spend some time with him today. So I look forward to you hearing the message from Senator Jason Broder. Senator Broder, I, I knew him uh, before he even got into public life. We met there in Ocala one time. You were going up to a Gator game and we, we spent a little time together. Uh, and, uh, and that'll lead me to a great question because I can tell you that public life, especially nowadays, even with the confines of COVID and all is pretty challenging. Um, but I know that you've had a real heart to be a public servant. Let's talk to us a little bit about that. Why, uh, why would you leave the, the beautiful confines of uh, being a private citizen to step into the, the public world? Well, Kurt, thanks for the question and thanks for having me on today. Uh, you're right. Um, it was not to become rich. Those days are over. Um, I am a um, healthcare uh, executive by trade but grew up in a family with whom um, civics was a big dinnertime conversation talk uh, and public service. Uh, my dad is an environmental engineer who designs water and wastewater treatment plants for municipalities. And so much of my growing up was uh, talk about his service in the military or his service to our community uh, to deliver clean water. Uh, and my mother's a, a, an elementary school teacher. And so uh, it's kind of a family thing that we really always talked about how it is we give back. And coming out of college, I was fortunate to get a, a fabulous job at Procter & Gamble, and that's where I started my healthcare career, but never got a chance to do any community service. That was straight into the corporate world and go, 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 go. Then you get to a certain point when um, you, could, you can only be the angriest guy at the homeowners association meeting for so long before somebody says, well, why don't you do something about it? Right. And uh, that kind of led me to to running um, right right after I met you. I ran for the Florida House of Representatives. Was lucky enough to get in there, um, served for eight years, which is uh, as we know the term limits allowed in Florida uh, for consecutive terms. And um, still still had some stuff I felt like I, I needed to do. So I uh, was fortunate enough to this last cycle to run and be able to continue to serve. Well, and, and serve you have, and particularly even in our arena with child welfare, you have a personal background from that area. It was, you know, I was really impressed with the president of the Senate and his speech, and he, he particularly mentions himself and you, and then even some of the legislation that you're going to run this year that came from some of your own experience. Uh, Senator, let me tell you how much we appreciate you putting that. That's a bit, it was a big bill. And then it had a lot of areas that we were going to work on and work through. Uh, that's really the legislative process is we submit legislation. We know that there's going to be a lot of folks that come in and say, this, this is why it may work or this is where it could create problems for us. And you are quite amenable and very affable in the respect of, of working with professionals that came in and sat down with I, I want to thank you for that. If you'd like, uh, again, from the president of the Senate, uh, he really lauded your legislation in, a, in its opening speech. So I thought that was very impressive. Talk about that. Talk, talk sort of what's driving you to, to try to engage some of the areas that uh, we, we see we can improve here in child welfare. Well, I think it goes back to my, my uh, defining, um, I think, vision for what government should be doing. And that is helping the most vulnerable among us. And if you think about an abused, abandoned, or neglected child, I, I don't know that there's anybody more vulnerable than that. And so the degree to which we can get that right 
uh, does wonders for the rest of the world. You know, coming from Central Florida, I uh, grew up watching the space shuttle. And, and one of the interesting things about the space shuttle is that uh, it, it, once it gets off the launch pad and turns over, it uses 94, 95% of all the fuel it's carrying, the outside rocket boosters, the fuel on board. It's so much energy just to get up and turn over and get out into orbit. It uses the remaining 5% of its fuel to go around the earth a bunch of times and come back. And if you think about children the same way, if we put all of our energy into getting them off the launch pad and up and in the right direction, we don't have to spend any more money for the rest of their lives dealing with the issues that were created during that very sensitive time. And I think we forget about that because, um, Kurt, you've been up here, you know, we we referee food fights over billionaires who want a new stadium. And that's that's not really what we should be doing. I think what we really need to be doing is making sure that that poor child who got yanked away from their parents at four in the morning using a garbage bag as a suitcase, not knowing where they're going to, that's the only thing we should be concerned about. And I think having a recognition by legislative leaders to say, uh, you know, because so often the headlines read that we're doing something with toll roads and we're doing, yes, but this is the most important work we do. And so this bill, very comprehensive and big, seeks to place that proper balance on um, transitions, on making sure that we recognize that children younger than three have different needs than children that are a little older. Um, it recognizes how disruptive an educational transition is. You know, kids just want to be normal. They just want a routine. And uprooting them from school is a big deal. It recognizes uh, the value of relationships, but balances that with them being in a stable environment. And so I think having legislative leadership that says, this is as important, if not more important, than all that other stuff you read about was really heartening to me because that's that's kind of what I believe government should be doing in the first place. And that's one of the exciting things that I think we've seen here in Florida. Florida went from one of the worst systems of care to one of the best systems of care, and we're, there's no finish line. We've never, we have not arrived. And that's why when I look at legislation like this and saying, um, A, is it helping us get better? Is there some things that we should improve? Is there things that we've learned? And so you, Again, we very much appreciate the way that you and your staff uh, and leadership sort of grabbed hold of this and said, yes, we want to work on it. And sometimes there's some areas that we may disagree on, but that's okay because quite frankly, uh, I, one thing I've learned about being here at the coalition is, is that Miami is different from other areas and, and Fort Lauderdale is different than Ocala or Seminole County. And, and they don't always agree. But what we do agree on is that what you, uh, your metaphor there of the rocket launch was perfect because really, if we can get, there are two areas. If we can, when they come into our system of care, if we can do whatever we can to keep them from not being in that deep end system. When they're there, we wanna treat them right, get them the right responses, the right support and all of that and get them with the right families, get them with the right uh, foster families, or in some cases, into the with, depending on their, their needs, uh, get them with the right group homes and, and so forth so that we can make sure they're getting the right services. But let's either get them back home or let's get them with permanency, one way or the other, get them with a, with a great adoptive family. They have a greater chance of, of being successful in that good citizen that you were talking about 
And, uh, and so again, we, we look at your legislation, we go, thank you for that. I actually appreciate the Senate. I think the Senate has tried to try to do some good things this year. And, and I actually even appreciate, I saw something where the president of the Senate said that uh, he was putting some money behind it uh, this year. And I looked at some line items and there's some of that. So we look forward to working with them on that. Uh, anything that you see, whether it be not just this arena or any arena that you might wanna talk about uh, that would be important for our folks to know, or even some legislation that you might see or some areas that you'd like to see us as an organization improve uh, in the future? Well, a little couple of things. Thanks for that, Kurt. Is uh, What we have done in Florida the last 20 years is looked at by other states. They say, how were you able to go to a private system or a system that wasn't uh, entirely government run and be so successful? And we are constantly asked year after year when you go to conferences, what is it that's made it made it happen? We point to our CBCs and our managing entities and talk about the great success that we've had there. So we wanna see that continue. Um, I think the second thing I wanna talk about is um, our frontline folks that are there doing that work. I know they're underpaid. When I was um, health and human service uh, chair of um, the appropriations, I made, well, that was the last time we were able to get across the board raises for all, all our child protective investigators. And I know for the seven counties that do it in the sheriff's office, it's a little bit different, but I know how difficult that job is and what the tenure is there. It's very light compared to what we could really use. And it's an awful, horrific situation that we're asking these folks to go into. And I recognize that and I want to make it better for folks as best as we can, as fast as we can. And one of the ways I think we can continue to do that is, is, is technology. Everybody has a computer in their pocket these days that's more powerful than the one used to send man to the moon in 1969. And yet we are still frustrated by forms and fill out stuff. You know, I, I, it's, it's one of these things people say is, you know, we're doing so be much better this year than we were compared to last year. And the thing I have to impress upon folks is that the people who are using the technology that we have although it's better this year than it was last year, is not as good as Netflix or Amazon or yeah, Venmo yeah. or anything else on their phone. Our competition is not ourselves versus last year. Our competition is that interaction and that uh, technology experience of all other platforms. And that's the thing that I think we need to drive the state towards, which is if we could automate, Data has never been cheaper or more secure than it is right now. And if we need blockchain experts in order to make sure that sensitive data on minors is protected, let's do it. That is the investment worth doing so that these folks who we're asking to go into these terrible situations have all the best tools possible. And they're not worried about whether or not they lost a piece of paper they have to fill out on a clipboard in 2021. These are the things that I want to keep driving us forward. And that's what could really help in the advocacy arena. As we get these good policies put in place, now how do we execute them better, faster, and safer for the folks on the front line who are actually doing the work? I think as you're talking, I'm sitting here saying to myself, well, then you, you're really capturing probably one of the areas that we've got to get better at, and that is protecting our front line and helping them so that we don't have the turnover. I've noticed that uh, we have between a 35 and 40% turnover of our caseworkers. And it's not always about salary, but salary has a part to it. We haven't really done much for caseworkers. We've done to try to some to reduce the, their, their caseload a little bit but we haven't done a lot of that. And that's an area, it's funny, we are having those conversations internally right now. And uh, I was with uh, Representative Roach last week. He brought the same thing up. 
I think there's a convergence of, of both uh, our folks saying some support that we're going to be looking to try to drive, but not just ask for money, but ask for the right, right way to put that money out there and right way to be able to hold on to good employees and, and support them with that technology and, and provide some, and in many cases, be able to provide uh, resources for them that, that uh, they have an upward mobility in this process. All of that's important. I think you know that. And I think too, it, it can't be uh, uh, overstated. Uh, these, these caseworkers, not only do they need support uh, with technology and salary and that kind of thing, but mental health is a big component yes, of this for so long has gone under or unreported simply because um, it, it's not popular, uh, you know, among your peer group, it's not, you're not tough enough. Uh, of course, it's a bad job. Why'd you go into it? None of, I mean, these are still human beings. You can't take that out of people. And to go day after day into these really tragic situations uh, takes a really, really special kind of person. My, my mother-in-law was a hospice nurse. And I think, I, I think about special people and that's a job I can't do. There is no way. I just, I couldn't do it. And in talking to my own wife, who's a social worker by trade, she started by working overnights at a, at a runaway shelter for girls. I don't, I couldn't do that either. I mean, these are really special people that really have a servant's heart and that takes a toll on you over time. And so we need to make sure that the resources are not only salary and um, um, technology and equipment and stuff like that, but that we also have the right kind of counseling to support people who are in a very difficult role. Senator, I know your wife, and uh, I can tell you sincerely, you uh, out kicked your 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 punt coverage. She's fantastic. I, I believe that to be true myself. Uh, but I'll tell you this: you, you everything you're saying, I, I I see this convergence of us beginning to kind of get our arms around. We've done. I, I don't want to be the guy that always says that we've gone from worst to first, which I do because we have, but that's not good enough. And we can be better because at the at the end of the day, we've got we've got Floridians, children's lives, uh, and and families' lives in our hands, and we're working on it. That's why to have a person that comes from the both the compassion and passion that you bring to this, it's not just a job for you. And I, I know it. I when we talk about it, uh, when we come and talk with you about uh, reasoning of why we need to change, maybe ask for a change. You're, you're affable, but you're strong about your positions. And I, I greatly appreciate that. Anything you need to say to our, our folks, as we're saying, as we're sort of closing out here? Just thank you all for the work that you do. I mean, there's, in my um, estimation, there is no more important role than that which we do in social services for our most vulnerable. Like I said, every time you read something in the newspaper, they print it because it gets read and it gets a lot of clicks. But it's not more important than what we are doing as a team. And I think... Uh, you can count on, on me to continue to be that partner and um, keep feeding back what we need to do to make it better. Because uh, as you said, Kurt, being, being first isn't good enough. We need to be as, as, as good as we can possibly be, no matter what. And that means we, we constantly revisit the system. Every day we go through that experience and talk about what it is that we do to go from that really, uh, that abused, that abandoned, that neglected, that vulnerable child and give them a permanent experience in this, in this community and in this society. And uh, it's, it's the most important work there is. So thank you all. I told my team, and I do have a team. I have providers. I have lead agencies. I have, if you've seen one, you've seen one. They're all, everybody's different in a lot of respects, but also our team is the legislature. Uh, both our House and Senate members, uh, their staff, 
the, 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 the leadership staff, all of that, when we all come together working at the right level on this, that we have an opportunity to, to, to have more states ask, hey, how, how can we do it like Florida? And that's, I like hearing that. And, uh, and by, by the way, I get a lot of that as well. We're actually out sharing how they can do it. Do they have the political courage and wherewithal that our, our, our political leaders have taken? I mean, quite frankly, it's a lot of courage you had to do to do some of this, and we really appreciate it. Well, with that, brother, thank you for being on with us. Uh, be careful out there. Next time, we'll do it in person. I like uh, it. But, uh, this is great, and thank you. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, Kurt. Much appreciated. Right, have a great day. I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Nurturing Wellbeing. As you can see, we have some great leaders in Florida and we're in good hands. And as we work and continue to work for children and families, we're going to continue to nurture well-being.